Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Milo. I'm so glad you're here with us in the room. I'm so glad that you're watching us from home. Uh, it's good to have you. I'm excited to be here. It's a big weekend. As you know, we're all going back to school. Isn't that great, friends? Well, those of you who aren't, it's because you signed up for virtual school and now you're upset because you don't know when you're going back to school. But that's a whole other story. Hey, remember when? Do you remember when this all started, when it was two weeks before Easter vacation and we said, don't worry, uh, we're just going to take a few extra weeks, you're going to have a longer Easter break, and then we'll all come back and we'll get to normal. Remember that? And then, and then we said, well, may, maybe it'll be Memorial Day. We'll go through Memorial Day. And then we started, well, at best case, maybe we can do uh, the 4th of July. And here it is now, Labor Day. And all of us parents, we are so ready. Uh, our kids are in the room. We don't want you at home anymore. And so we are... Uh, if you're watching from home today, aren't you glad that your kids are going to get to go to school? And we know that it's uh, different. It's a different world. But, man, we are uh, ready for fall to be here. And so, man, I'm glad you're here with us uh, this morning. Uh, if you are uh, watching from home, uh, maybe some of you at home, maybe you just think that this whole thing uh, has been a hoax. Uh, well, actually, it wouldn't be those of you who are watching from home. It would be those of you who are out and about. You would be the guy in the parking lot uh, this morning, uh, tailgating in the parking lot uh, for church this morning, uh, having like a nacho spread out in front for everybody to, to dip in, you know, grab, grab and dip in on the way in. And then next to the nacho spread, there would be uh, the, uh, the, the, the big uh, water trough uh, that had the bobbing for apples station, you know, before we begin uh, our service this morning. Maybe that's you. Uh, may, maybe that's what you're uh, coming here with this morning. And then there's some of you that are on the, the other end of the spectrum uh, where this is all very scary, it's very intimidating, and you go uh, to Home Depot and, and you see someone with their mask down over their chin and you, you want to just start crying out and shouting out, 2319, 2319! And there's a couple of you, maybe, who actually know what that reference means. Okay, so, okay, there's a couple of you. Uh, so, so 2319, this is coming from a movie, those of you who have kids, it's Monsters, Inc. movie. Uh, it was about 2002 when the movie came out. And the whole idea behind that movie was that uh, Monsters, Inc. Was a, was a peek into the life of the monsters that are on the other side of the wall that come in and terrorize your kids at night. But this was their, their workplace, and a 2319 meant that they had been contaminated uh, by children which is what we all feel half of the time. And so it's a detour this morning, but will you, will you stay so that you understand where I'm coming from this morning? Take a look at this, guys. Hey, Wazowski, nice job. Those numbers are pretty sweet. Are they? You know, I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> and uh, how is Georgie doing? He's doing great. I love working with that big guy. Keep the doors coming, Charlie. I'm on a roll today. George and I are like brothers. <laughs> 
careful. The entire scare floor is out of commission. What else could go wrong? All right, so that was a detour. I, I acknowledge that this morning, but maybe that's your attitude uh, coming in this morning. What else could go wrong? Uh, no matter what, wherever you're coming from uh, this morning, you need to be reminded, like it or not, there has been a change that has happened over the last six months. There, our world is shifted. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no fighting that. There's no arguing that. Sociologists are saying that the last six months may actually have changed the next six years, uh, or similar to 9-11, how it shaped an entire generation. It may entirely change the way that we live uh, for an entire generation. Uh, it, there, there's significant things that are going on there, and if that's truly the, the case, if this is really affecting us that much, if it's, if it's actually having that much of an impact on our lives, wouldn't you think that the Bible would have something to say that would be uh, important for us to listen to? I believe that it would. I'm glad that you asked. And so the reality is uh, we want you to come back next week to learn more. I, I, I know I'm joking a little bit there, but next week we are opening a new sermon series called The New Normal. We're going to be going into the book of Matthew, and what does Jesus have to say about the shift and the change uh, that is happening there in Matthew's gospel? And so come back next week for that. Uh, we're starting a new series that kind of pushes us in that direction. But where we are right now, if it's your first time with us this morning, your first time watching online, uh, Acts chapter 11. We are actually in the 11th week of this sermon series called The Movement. And as we've been talking through the book of Acts, we've, we wanted to be looking at it not only from its historical perspective, uh, we don't want to look at it only as historians, but we want to look at the, the, the book of, the, of Acts uh, with the eyes of a soldier or the eyes of a military looking at in the sense of how do you build a battle plan that matches up with what we see in the book of Acts. And, and if we look there, we're seeing that there is a church on mission. We get the mission statement from Jesus himself to begin the book of Acts. as you'll be my witnesses in Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's the mission statement. And then we see how the rest of the book of Acts follows out, that it's not only a church on mission, it's a church in motion, and it's, it's moving, and it's developing, and it's changing. And this morning, uh, we're going to come to the church at Antioch. And you're going to see a church that's not only in motion, but it is a church that is multiplying the mission. And so this morning, I'm going to give it to you right here out at the beginning so you get it out of the way. I want to give you my sermon point so you know where we're going this morning. And it's this. When God moves, all means all. Say it to the person next to you. All means all. That was terrible. Let's try it again. All means all. That was, a little bit, that was a little bit better. So all means all. That means all means everything. Say that. All means everyone. 
All means everywhere. So when God moves, all means all. Everything, everyone, everywhere. So this morning what we're going to do, I don't always do this. Pastor Brian actually does when he preaches. He gives us a chance to share the Shema together. The Shema is, is a Jewish tradition that says basically these are God's words. And so we stand for God's words so that it is not, so there's a distinction between what God says versus what I have to say. What I have to say, you can take that and, and decide what you want to do with it later. But what God has to say, you better take that as Authority. So would you stand with us this morning? I want to uh, share this one more time, uh, the Shema, and you can repeat after me, and it goes uh, like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of the Lord. I'm reading from Acts chapter 11. I'm beginning in verse 19. Here we go. Now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and be able to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of what God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that it would encourage us, it would strengthen us today. Lord, we pray that we would leave here understanding that all means all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. All right, so if you were at home, thanks for participating us with us in that. Uh, if you're here in the room, all means all. And the first point that I wanted to make for us this morning is all means everything. All means all, and that means everything. Beginning in verse 23, as I, I read, when Barnabas arrived and saw the grace of what God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them all, circle that, highlight it, start it, however you want to mark that in your Bibles, to remain true, or some of your passages will say, remain faithful to the Lord with all their hearts. Circle all, underline it, mark it. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You see, when God moves, all means all, and all means everything. See, at the beginning of everything that we do, we must understand, as the hymn says that we used to sing all the time, and we sing now too, is I surrender all, all to him I owe. 
across town this morning, there's a church called The Well, a church that I served at 10 years ago now, and they're celebrating uh, this morning, they are celebrating their 10-year their anniversary as a church and celebrating all that God has done there over the last 10 years. Uh, what has particularly been part of the DNA of that church, what, what God has allowed that church to do in this community is through a 12-step recovery program, specifically through a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. At the base level, at the understanding level of, of where all of us must begin, because we all have, as, as their statement would say, we all have hurts, we all have habits, we all have hang-ups. There's all things that keep us separated from God. The Bible tells us that that's called sin, but we must surrender that to God. I surrender all, all to Him I owe. And so in any 12-step program, step number one begins with, I release control. My life has become unmanageable. I can't control all the levers and think that I can control the world that I live in. Why? Because God is in control. And even uh, the 12-step programs that are not biblically based would still say, I can't control all of the things. There is a higher power at work. You see, in the Old Testament, we see this, when God introduces himself, when he introduces himself to the people of Israel and say, I will be your God, but he makes it clear, he said, there will be no other gods before me. You will not put any idol before me. You will not worship any other thing. I need you to be all in. And the way that Barnabas says it here is, I want you, uh, encourage them all, all of them, to remain true or remain faithful uh, to the Lord with all all of their hearts. You need to understand, we need to understand that we need to be all in, give all of ourselves to God. Now, a couple weeks ago, we went uh, to Thousand Islands as a family, did some camping there, and then spent some more time in the Adirondacks. Where we were camping, we were right on uh, the edge of the river there, that is the, the, the edge between uh, Canada and the United States. And so uh, while we were camping there, there was, uh, it's, it's a big river, the St. Lawrence River. It's a big place, and so it's a big area for boating. Uh, and, and there was this one little boat, I would say it wasn't that big of a boat, but man, that thing was just tearing back and forth all day long, every day that we were there, back and forth in the water, and it was just the kids were having a good time out there and just watching them go back and forth, and they were flying two flags on the boat that we couldn't see, but they were just rippling in the breeze going back and forth, back and forth. And eventually it came close enough uh, that we were able to see what was printed on the side of these flags. On each flag, it was written, full send. Some of you know what that means. Some of you have to ask your middle schoolers, your high schoolers, your college. I see someone whispering to mom, hey mom, this is what it means. Full send means that you are all in. For some reason, uh, that's what it means. I don't quite understand what that means, of why it means that, but full sends mean I'm all in. I'm going 100%. And so literally, I watched in real time this little boat racing back and forth across the horizon, people uh, being dumped into the water, people trying to wakeboard. They were all in. Full send, they were going for it 100% with all of their heart. So the idea that is here is that we give God all control. We give him all of our hearts. And that's what Barnabas is encouraging the people there at this church at Antioch. If there is going to be a movement of God, we need to understand, we need to be reminded that all means everything, putting it all out there. 
Now, as a church this morning, we need to be a place that not only encourages you to do this on a personal level, that you personally are putting it all on the table before God and saying it's all yours, whether that's uh, the money that is in my bank account at the end of the month, Lord, I give it back to you because it's all yours, whether it's the way that you spend your week, the time that you spend during the week, you say, God, I'm giving it back to you however you want me to spend my time, I will do that, whether it's the abilities that you have, the skills that you have, putting it all on the table, saying, God, it's yours, I give it back to you however you want me to use that. We should expect that you, as a member of this church, that you as a believer in Jesus Christ, whatever church that you are a part of, uh, we should expect that you are all in in that sense. But you should also expect of us as a church that we would have that same uh, perspective organizationally, that we also would put it all on the table, that we would also be willing to say, God, we are fully dependent on you no matter what. And so this morning, as a matter of illustration, there's a lot of different ways we do this as a church, uh, but I want to bring uh, to the forefront this morning as an illustration what it means for us, and many of you know that we are in the process of planting a church, Fieldstone Church, uh, in, Clarence, uh, in Clarence Hollow, and there is a putting it all on the table that it requires of us as an organization to do this. And so we want to practice what we preach, and I want to use this this morning as an illustration of what it really means for all to mean everything. And so I interviewed you guys this week. Here we go. To be on this phone call today, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we've got uh, Aaron Richbart is one of our elders here at Randall. And uh, just recently uh, came on as part of the replant ministry team for uh, Fieldstone Church in Clarence. And as we're talking through these questions today and just thinking through some of this stuff today uh, of really what the Antioch Church uh, looked like in Scripture and how it's such a great example for us uh, as well. Uh, will you talk just briefly uh, about how you know, being an Antioch Church and being a church plant and certainly in an environment like it is right now, Aaron, what does it look like for a church to just really be dependent on God's provision in all things? For sure, yeah. I guess when I first started thinking about this, I, it, it's very different today. I mean, we're doing something over Zoom. That's how we're doing everything remotely right now, pretty much. Um, and so the world that we're living in right now almost makes it so we have to... <laughs> I don't think anyone in their right mind would try to do this in in the middle of a pandemic with if you if you don't run rely on God, um, you you have to because it doesn't make any logical sense to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but we're going with it, right? And because of that, we're, we're trusting in God. We're trusting in Him to provide. Um, we're using it as a as an opportunity for a fresh start, um, and and it's it's great. Um, and financially, we need to trust in God that he will provide for us. Um, and, and he has so far. We're, we're, he's, our, our, the bank account is doing fine. We're doing just fine. Um, and, and one of the greatest things is uh, we have a facility now. We have a place in the hollow. Um, God has provided um, that for us right across the street from the church we're planning to meet on on Sunday mornings. Um, and it, it's a perfect a place where we're connected with the person that owns the same that, that owns the church owns the facility that we're renting from in the the office space so just trusting god to provide he, he continues to provide because we don't know what's next we don't know the next steps we make our plans but but god is providing for us as we make each step along the way 
Thanks to Aaron for that. Many of you know Aaron and be able to see the way that God is providing because we're putting it all on the table and be able to say that if all means all, that means that we uh, give everything uh, to it. Let's continue on then. If all means all, it's not just everything, it's every one. Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus and he looked for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. You see, when God moves, all means all, and all means everything and everyone. He went to Saul. Let's be reminded again, who is Saul? Because when Saul has his conversion there, uh, the, the Christians are afraid of Saul. They are not sure whether this is some elaborate ruse by which he is going to trap them and throw them into prison. And, and when Saul uh, uh, comes to follow Jesus, uh, that he is afraid and he is concerned as to how he is going to connect in with everyone else. And so by going to Saul specifically, there is a, a level of, of understanding that it's going to take that God is telling uh, this church to go to everyone. And it, let's not forget either, as we have looked through the, the, the lineage, if you will, of this early church, this church that's on mission, this church that is in motion, and now this church that is multiplying. First, in Acts chapter 2. Don't forget about Acts chapter 2. At the moment of Pentecost, we see all these different languages from the known world that are being spoken there. And the way that God is moving through all of them and speaking to each of them in their own language, in their own tongue. Why? Because the gospel was available and was going to penetrate everyone. Because that's what happens when God moves. Fast forward to Acts chapter 4. We'd be able to see the way that God works with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that not only was he going to speak the language of people, now he was going to create this intercessory moment between uh, two men out in the middle of nowhere that he was going to to utilize Philip to be able to carry the gospel, uh, that this movement was going to move through because it was available to everyone, to an Ethiopian. An Ethiopian was not from the same background as the rest of them, and he was an Ethiopian eunuch, and so he wasn't even allowed to worship with the rest of them. And then we get to Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, and we have this this dream that God speaks uh, to Peter himself, one of his disciples, and he wants to make sure that Peter understands that the gospel was intended for everyone. He said, what you used to think was unclean is now clean. You are to go. It takes us all the way back to the first chapter of Acts when we see, excuse me, into the second chapter when we see that the temple was no longer the only spot that God was going to allow them to worship. He was going to create a temple in each one of his followers. Why? Because when God moves, all means everyone. You see, uh, what we live in today isn't so different from then. Uh, tribalism was part of what they were experiencing with the Jews and the Gentiles and this Ethiopian and all of these different uh, components. And tribalism happens when, when there's all these additional separations between groups of people. And we say, uh, I want to be known, I want to be uniquely known by this group. And here's, here's the identifiers by my group. And sometimes it's religious preference. Sometimes it's uh, the color of skin. Sometimes it's the language that is being used. But it's all designed as a matter of separation and division. And the reality is, is when the gospel moves, when God moves, it is available to every one. And he makes it clear that way. 
And actually, today, in our culture today, the reality is, is millennials often get a, a, a bad rep in a lot of different ways. But here's one way that they seem to have gotten it right, and that's this fight back against tribalism. What do I mean by that? Well, generally speaking, churches are very divided places on Sunday mornings, but it's our millennials who are pushing back and fighting against that. We were told for years that if a church is going to have young people in it, then it needs to be a church that has really good music, really good lights, really good sound, all of those things. And now there's this pushback of young people that say, I like the stained glass. I like the organ. I want to be connected to something larger. Don't try to put me in a certain tribe. Same thing when it comes to worship, when it comes to, generally speaking, Sunday mornings being one of the most divided days in all of our country all week long. And that's because different races, uh, different people groups are all gathering individually to worship. And millennials are the ones even more than anyone else is pushing back against it. It says, this is not what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And so they push back and they say, I want to worship with people who don't look like me. Because that's what the body of Christ looks like. And in many ways, this is an area that they could be teaching us something as well. You see, in a movement of God, the gospel goes out, all means every one. Antioch is a unique city. You see, Jerusalem was the religious center of the day. Jerusalem is the religious center today. But that was the religious center where everything was happening. And you can make an argument that the city of Corinth was the trade center where different people were coming from all over the known world. They were using the different ports there uh, by land and by sea. There was all this interaction back and forth that it was a trade center. But Antioch is like a cultural center where things were happening in Antioch were, were being a reflection of a lot of the different, uh, the, the different things that were happening in that day. Antioch is in the middle of it. And for them to be there in the middle of that, and for Barnabas to be intentional about, about uh, encouraging those believers who, who had gone out to speak to the Jews, and then they realized, wait a minute, if the gospel is available to all, if all means all, and all is everyone, we need to share the gospel with everyone here in Antioch. And so they do so. And Barnabas goes, and he gets Saul, and he brings him there. And what do they do? They teach great numbers of people. And look what happens here. The disciples were then called Christians first at Antioch. Now, these followers of Christ were called disciples at some point. They were called brothers and sisters, and they were called many things, but this is the first example of them being called Christians. Now, if you were from Rome in that time, you were, they would add that to the end. If you were Rome you were Romans. If you were uh, uh, born with citizenship into Rome, if you were from Caesarea, you were called a Caesarean because you were at citizenship there in Caesarea, but now they were called Christians. And just like many of us joke and we call ourselves Buffalonians because that's where we're from or that's how we think or how we interact with one another here in western New York, if you were being named by this, this city was starting to name these people Christians, it's because they found their citizenship in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. That this was how they were going to be known. This is where that they found their cultural center. And so in the same way, if the Antioch church was a place that was going to, to, that all was going to mean all, and that the multiplication of a movement was going to ripple itself out, they were being very intentional. It teaches us here, and they taught great numbers of people, and they were called disciples of Christ, Christians. 
then we should expect, if we are going to use this as a framework by which to live our lives, we should be disciple-making people. Go into all the world and make disciples. And so if we're going to expect uh, God to make uh, our church and our region and us as a people, uh, that there's going to be a move of God, we need to be about making disciples. Because all means all, and all means everyone. So that means that making disciples means making disciples out of our seven-year-olds here as a church. Making disciples means making disciples out of 17-year-olds here as a church. Making disciples means making disciples out of 27-year-olds, 37-year-olds, 107-year-olds here in our church, and making disciples of those who are far from Christ, and realizing that that life change means everything. And so again, as an example, let's talk about Fieldstone Church and how they and we are making disciples. So hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we're here again on this uh, Zoom call today uh, with, with some guys from Fieldstone. But actually, I want to just bring uh, Pastor Brian in here today because we're, we're, we're looking at what discipleship looks like as well for an Antioch church, uh, whether that's Randall, uh, looking at really how uh, they, they behave themselves in the book of Acts and how we ought to behave uh, in the 21st century. Uh, but Brian, what do you see not only for Randall Church, but uh, for Fieldstone Church or anyone who is going to really be committed uh, to, to making disciples the way that it's shown for us in the book of Acts? Uh, what might we be looking for? Yeah, um, and it's true. Uh, these, this was, the Antioch was a disciple-making church, but really that shouldn't be uh, the defining factor just for them. That's really the charge of any church. Uh, Jesus gave his marching orders uh, to uh, to his disciples at the end of, of Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. So that's what any Bible-believing church ought to do. And so that's the really the why. And uh, so every church, is, is that's going to be their answer. That's their mission, is we're trying to make disciples for Jesus. The how might be different. So here at Randall, uh, our how, uh, how we're going to do that, particularly in this pandemic season, is through these discipleship groups. So we're going to try to get people in groups of about three to five, uh, who are studying scripture together, who are praying together, who are being accountable to one another uh, with the hopes that uh, as they are uh, in this rhythm, that they'll be thinking and identifying other people that they could then invite into this process as well. And we're hoping that this will sort of be the start of a disciple-making process here at Randall. And similarly with Fieldstone, um, they're going to have to figure out their how. They're going to have to figure out their, their, their why, their mission is going to be the same as us. It's to make disciples. Uh, they're going to have to discern in Clarence and in, in Clarence Hollow what do people need in order to come to be more like Jesus, and then be able to help others do that too. That's the sign of a healthy church, and uh, that's what we're trying to do it here, Randall. And we're praying for Fieldstone as they're figuring out what that's going to look like for them as well. So all means all, everything. Everyone, and here's the last point, all means all, everywhere. Verse 28, the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. We learn from the author of Ecclesiastes, the sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. All of the known world, the entire Roman world, would be experiencing this famine. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by who? Barnabas and Saul. 
You see, when God moves, all means all, everywhere. So, so they look at the situation that's there in front of them. They, they did not separate themselves from what was going on. They realized that if, that if Antioch was at the cultural center of all that was going on, and this famine was going to affect all of the known world, that they needed to be a part of that. In many ways, we are experiencing that as a culture right now. There is a lot going around in the world around us, and we can choose to isolate ourselves and try to protect ourselves from all of the mayhem around us. Or we can understand and realize that a movement of God actually leans into that. That the gospel has to go everywhere. That in a movement of God, all means all. Bob Roberts wrote a book a number of years ago called Glocalization. He takes these two words, local and glocal, and kind of slaps them together to make this word glocalization. And he talks about it so that we think about missions and mission work a little bit differently. Because for so long, you look at missions work, you say, I want to, to raise up a professional missionary to go overseas or go over there uh, to be able to deal with and share the gospel in this way. And this word glocalization is all about teaching us and reminding us that in Scripture, these are not the professionals. These are the local church bodies. That they are the ones carrying forward, carrying the torch forward. That the movement is working through regular, ordinary, everyday people. And God is doing extraordinary things through them. This idea of globalization says, look around the world. Look where the gospel needs to go. Look where God wants to move. And when you see him move, you're going to realize that we're going to need some doctors, and we're going to need some contractors, and we're going to need some uh, uh, other professions that I can't think of at the top of my head. Lawyers. I'm sure you all have jobs, right? Those are the types of things that people need all over the world. And for so long, we've said, let's send missionaries. And when we get there, let's teach them how to do a job. But sometimes there's nations that are closed to that missionary. But there's never nations closed for the different types of employment, the different types of jobs that we all have. And it is in the regular, ordinary people that we see globalization, the mission work of each and every individual. You see, this is radical. When you look here at what is happening here at Antioch, they look around, there's a famine in land, there's a need, there's something going on, and they respond to the need. But they are the Greeks responding to the need. They are the reached people group now who are looking out and saying, who else can we reach? Who else can we help? Who else can we share the love of Christ with in a practical way? My best friend and best man in my wedding, his name is Jeremy Bohall. He married a woman from Croatia that he met in college. Uh, what is a unique thing about Petra is she came to the United States uh, in the 90s, uh, she gives me a hard time. She came pretty close to when Norwood missed wide right was like when she was cowering in a bunker because they were in the middle of civil war there. And I was telling her how bad it was here for the Bills to lose the Super Bowl. Uh, not at all the same scenario, right? She was dealing with real problems. She comes to the United States, and while they're here, her dad, Peter Kuzmich, decides that the rest of his life would be more effective and useful for the sake of the ministry and for the sake of God's mission in this world if he becomes a missionary to the United States of America from Croatia. Why? Because he looked at Croatia this, this, this group of people who, who, who now their country was in shambles, but they were relying on God. And he looked at the United States and he said, here's a group of people who are relying less and less and less on God. And that's where I want to do 
my mission work. And so he's done that for the last 20 years. He, he teaches a semester here, and then he teaches a semester. He's an educator, and he teaches a semester back in Croatia and goes back and forth, and he sees himself as a missionary here to us. When God moves, it means that we are willing to go everywhere. Sometimes that's not so far away. And the challenge, not so far away maybe by geography, but the challenge is still real. And once again, if we are challenging you, if I'm challenging you to do this personally, on a personal level, you should expect us as a church to be thinking through this lens as an organization, as a church to be thinking through how can we be doing normal, everyday things in our community locally and globally so that we can share the gospel and see a movement of God that goes to everyone. So let me use Fieldstone Church as an example here again. Here's our friend Cliff Miller. All right, guys, thanks for listening again. We want to be able to say uh, hello to one more person, and, and Cliff Miller is on the other line here. And just want to be able to, to ask you, Cliff, of what does it look like? Again, we see the Antioch Church doing this in the book of Acts, but you're, you're part of Fieldstone on this replant ministry team. Uh, what does it look like for a church to choose to be relevant, a church to choose to uh, connect with culture, and how is Fieldstone doing that right now? Well, it's, it's really a, a great privilege for us to be a part of this. Um, and I think one of the things as we were praying about it is the fact is this is our hometown. Um, Deb and I have lived here 57 years. Um, uh, and so that's pretty pretty nice. It's, it's, a, it's a place that we care about. Um, the majority of the team lives in Clarence. That's, uh, you know, so Aaron and Rebecca are here with us. Um, you know, Pastor Jonathan, um, you know, Dave and Jody. So we are already immersed in this area. I probably have, again, 57 years. I don't think anybody can top that. But we've been here for a long time. We have relationships. Um, I've been involved with coaching. We've done uh, all kinds of different things. There are businesses that we know. Um, one thing that was kind of interesting, the last prayer walk, we wound up, Pastor Jonathan and I, wound up targeting the same family that we wanted to talk to. Um, so we have people in common that we know. Um, there's just a lot of things in this community that we have connections. One of the things that's been really, really enjoyable for me as I've gotten kind of involved in some of the nuts and bolts things is going and talking. I went and talked to somebody at the Historical Society. They're excited about a church coming here. Uh, and so, you know, I went to the township recently. Again, the planning board, they wanted to hear about this. So I think there's interest in the community. They believe this is a positive influence. And so that's pretty, pretty um, nice to hear. We also have very, very strategically or specifically are targeting different areas that we'd like to be involved with. Um, some of the things involving youth. Uh, there's a youth bureau that's currently not active. We're hoping to get involved with that. There are other businesses, um, ways that we can do things for this community specifically, but the church has already been involved in doing some other things in the larger community in Buffalo. And we've been involved in some other things like that. Um, and we wanna continue that. We're not just going to be in Jerusalem where we want to be looking outside just our immediate area. So that's a, 
that's a challenge. It's a thing. The other thing that's that's good about this is actually being involved in the in the your your real hometown um, with people you care about and love, and people that we know don't know the Lord. Um, so we want we want that to be a part of it. But we do understand, I think, a lot about what makes this town. Um, you know what they're interested in the different types of activities that resonate with people. And so I think that's a, a good a good thing for us, uh, again, especially in our leadership team, as we think about what we can do, what we can be involved with, what is going to impact our community. And we really want to focus on that. So many of you know Cliff Miller. And the reality is, is his heart bleeds for missions and missions work. Uh, he's spent time in Uganda. He's spent time in Kenya. Uh, he's gone the last two times. He went to uh, Baton Rouge uh, four years ago. He went to Houston, Texas uh, two years ago. And in the past, he went for Hurricane Katrina to uh, New Orleans as well. He, he's a guy who wants to respond to the call far, far away. And yet what you see him say in that video is the realization was he could be a missionary right here in his hometown. And particularly for those of you who are in the room, uh, that maybe you are at an age where you're not going to get in a plane and travel anywhere the way that you used to. Understand that there are some ways that God uses us to reach everyone right here. And there's ways that God is going to reach everyone somewhere else as well. But to restate the whole idea, when God moves, all means all. He's asking all of us to give all that we have. Everything for everyone everywhere. So this morning we're going to continue as a practical step in a time of communion. Because communion is really about what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me when he gave all of himself for us on the cross. The communion time is the Lord's Supper, something that we do here as a church once a month. It's a sipping of a cup of grape juice and eating a small wafer. Now, if you're in the room with us this morning, uh, the communion elements are in the pew in front of you, and it's a stretch, to be honest, it's a stretch to call what we're about to eat here together a wafer. But we're going to go with it because it's, a, it's something that is just a reminder. It's a symbol. And if you're watching from home and you weren't prepared for us this morning, it's not bad. You're only a few steps away from the refrigerator. So run to the refrigerator, get yourself an apple juice, an orange juice, grape juice, whatever it is, because it's a symbol, and, and, and a piece of bread, something that you can participate with us here in a moment. And so what we're going to do is, is Pastor Mario is going to play the first verse of a song here for us today, and we're going to listen to that and just prepare our hearts and say, God, in what ways are you asking me to really understand that all means all, everything for everyone, everywhere, and prepare our hearts for this time of communion right here and right now. Whenever the ordinance of the Lord's Supper is taken, it's a solemn time to think about Christ sacrificing himself for us. We evaluate our lives to compare it to the perfect example that he gave us. That his sacrifice was completely covered in our sins. And whether you're watching from home or whether you're here in the room, what we have in common as fellow believers in Christ is a common union, communion together. And so if you're a follower of Christ, we encourage you in just a moment to participate with us in that. But first, let's just take a moment to pray, to, to set our hearts uh, right before God, before we come to the communion table together.